The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. episode of the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast. It's officially summer, and that means that the summer blockbuster season is upon us. Today we're going to be discussing the culmination of 18 films in the Marvel juggernaut, Avengers Infinity War, Ryan Reynolds' follow-up to his breakout hit Deadpool 2, and we're blowing the dust off the early 80s slasher final exam and oiling up for the Stallone-Russell extravaganza tango and cash. But before we go any further, please help me welcome our new co-host and founder of the B-Movie BFS website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. Hey, Kelly. So, um, new thing we want to start doing is we want to uh, discuss a little bit on uh, anything we've been uh, watching that's of interest to our listeners. So, uh, anything interesting you've been watching? Oh, yes. I'm so excited to talk about something um, briefly. But before I do, I, I do want to let the listeners know that on Fridays, I do a roundup of the movies I've watched the last week. And I just posted, I watched, of course, Avengers Infinity War for you. And I also watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space, <laughs> which was a little rough. A Girls Trip, which was excellent. Love, Simon, uh, which is very sweet and very good, and A Quiet Place, which, again, I think we're talking about today, if, if I'm not mistaken. But well, like, uh, Yeah, actually, actually, I don't have that one because I wasn't able to see the damn thing because oh. it left town so friggin' quickly. Uh-oh. But, you know, we can talk to, talk about that, actually, uh, without spoilers because I haven't had a chance to... Uh... Oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm good at uh, non-spoiler um, disclosure. <laughs> so, But uh, in answer to your query, AMC's The Terror... It's amazing. Oh yes, have you seen it? Uh, I just started it, and uh, I I love it. It it has ruined my life. I am obsessed with it. <laughs> it gave me anxiety for days. I love it so much, and the more I look at the actual historical events that it's um, very loosely based on, the more creepy and amazing the whole thing is. So, highly highly recommended. For anyone who knows nothing about it, I would just I would call it a um, historical horror fiction, and um, some people are calling it the Thing on Ice, but I I kind of don't feel like it's very much like the Thing, but it's excellent. It's so good. 
Well, you know, the ironic thing is that the, the thing did take place in the ice. I but, know. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. But, you know, there is a monster, but the monster is not even the most interesting part. And um, it's not a happy story. Like I said, I had, I've, I've just been, like, devastated after finishing it, but I loved it so much. Oh, it's really an example of uh, the the high level of quality of serialized television in the last decade. Oh, no kidding. Uh, really, uh, uh, first of all, the the look of it is just it's gorgeous, and uh, the the acting, the the costuming, everything in it is is absolutely first class. And I I really wish that we could get more stuff like that on TV. Oh, I just, I mean, as someone who I loved, I used to love the X-Files, you know, when it was, you know, the early days of the X-Files, and Ralph, is, my husband's always saying that I like to watch, um, he calls it pissy Brits, and I'm like, I'm like, well, these are doomed Brits, okay, and it's just so depressing and dark and awesome and some just amazing talent involved, and uh, I just can't recommend it enough, but um, yeah, super fun. <laughs> Oh, so your favorite part of the X Files is the raised Doggett uh, part? The what? <laughs> you know, the the part the season after uh, Duchovny and uh, and Scully left. Yeah, I barely. Agent I just, Doggett and Reyes. Oh my gosh! I just remember she wore like a leather cat suit, and it was the guy that played the Terminator Two, right? Yes, um, yeah. Patrick. No, I really kind of uh, faded out about that point. Yeah, I think I was kind of on my way out before, but um, early, early. They actually X-Files. brought her back in oh. the the revival. Oh, cool! I have not seen the revival yet. Is it any good? Uh, I I haven't watched it, um, but. I, I remember reading that they actually brought the Agent Reyes back into it. I don't, I don't think Doggett was in there at all, but um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, you say um, you, you saw the quiet a quiet place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, what, how, how did you like that? Uh, you know, I didn't care for it. Um, I really? know I'm. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority on that one. Um, but I do think it was well done, and it's a perfectly decent horror film, and it's a great. Um, I. Th- think it's Krasinski's first directorial effort if I'm not I believe so yeah you know great job um the acting was fine uh I just found it a pretty I ha- I felt like it had some creepy messaging it to it that I didn't care for um but mm. um you know it's it's uh it seems like people love it and um it, it wasn't as quiet as I thought it would be. There was a lot of music, and there was actually a lot of spoken dialogue in it. I was expecting zero spoken dialogue, so, um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the one thing I, that I've heard is that with uh, both A Quiet Place and Get Out, that it's kind of a, a, a time of uh, some newfound respect for the horror genre by critics, uh, at least it seems to be. Well, I hope so. And um, another one I'm looking forward to watching is Hereditary, because that one seems to be getting a lot of positive uh, feedback with Tony Collette. Um, yes, I've heard good things about that, too. And like you, I mean, especially with horror, I try to avoid spoilers like at all costs. So I'd probably yeah. I probably need to see that one pretty soon before I find out something about it. Well, uh, for me, uh, what I've been watching lately, I've really been... Um, burning through my uh, brand new Blu-ray of the um, the restored Outer Limits first season. Oh, and boy, they did an amazing job uh, on these things. They are just crystal clear. 
and you really get to appreciate uh, the the cinematography in these sets are just fantastic. It, it really, and the and the acting, the I, I never really was into Outer Limits as a kid. I was a Twilight Zone kid, uh-huh. and um, but I picked this up and. The stories are so much much more uh, layered and interesting than I remember them being as a kid, and um, and the acting really great acting by some a, a lot of you know Hollywood's great character actors of that you know period the early '60s and um, <clears throat> uh, you know uh, there's actually a couple that really uh, that are really great that feature Robert Culp who I really like. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, just uh, that—that's my big pick. If anybody wants to is looking for a Blu-ray to get, uh, get the restored Outer Limits Blu-ray season one. And also, I got the the first uh, the Blu-ray of the first season of the MST3K revival. Right on. And and uh, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 I, I've learned that that's kind of a. Um, Kind of like with the the new Star Wars, uh, with with like the the Last Jedi, it's a love it or hate it for people. Some people absolutely just detest it because it's not Joel Hodgson or Mike Nelson, um, you know, and the other the other uh, previous cast members. And uh, you know, Joel Hodgson is behind the writing of it and the the creation of it, and. I think it's great. Uh, it I think it, it takes a couple episodes to kind of find its footing because I think the riffing is a little too fast. It's it's quite fast. Yeah, I noticed that. They, yeah, they try it's like they're trying to really cram uh, a lot of jokes in and it kind of it strikes me as uh you know little kids uh, doing a play, you know, when they're really nervous and so they they, they do their lines really really fast. <laughs> And uh, but I think they really by the time you get to, I think it's the third or fourth episode when they do Avalanche, <laughs> I, I think they've really settled into a groove and I absolutely love that episode. It's a hilarious. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, oh yeah, it, it's. I think you can put that up there with any of the original series episodes. It's it's just as funny, and um, you know they they just started filming the new season of it, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm just grateful to have it back in any form, really. Yeah. And um, I think my only complaint with it is I'm not a fan of the new Tom Servo voice. I'm having trouble um, differentiating the two male robot voices. Uh, well, still. yeah, they're both kind of high. Yeah. High yeah. So I'm sure I'll pick because I've watched the whole first season. And it's funny, yeah. you know, first of all, I'm a riffing fan. The more the merrier because it's just going to make... Um, the projects get funnier as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I watched all of the cinema, um, cinematic Titanics. You know, I've, oh, I've yeah. watched all of everything except for some of those little, you know, riffing, um, not Riff Tracks Presents, but there's some there's some riffs on Riff Tracks that I haven't got to. But, um, like, yeah. I love Cole Stratton and Janet Varney's work and all of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the new season. I think it's cool that they're going on tour. Did you see that? Oh, I did. Yes, I, yeah. I absolutely wanted. They're coming to San Francisco, so uh, that's only an hour away from me. So I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to see that. Yeah, I'm, we're definitely going to see it either in Portland or Seattle um, uh, in November. But um, 
Yeah, I... I'm confident that the second season they'll get their footing, you know, even more secure. But I've I've enjoyed it, and it's so. I mean, I was I raised myself on MSC3K, and now my kids are extremely versed in MSC3K. So I'm just pleased to see that it's still, you know, keeping on. Uh, oh, and just just uh, as a, an aside, just to you personally, I, I watched. I don't know, I'm sure you've seen it because you seem to have seen them all. But I just watched the riff tracks for Terror at Ten Killer. Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! First of all, the movie just dreadful, but yeah. I, there's some stuff in it that is so damn funny uh, that, that just killed me. I, I just I, I love that. It, boy, what a what a god awful! I mean, I know like we're you know, we're talking about Final Exam today, but Terror at Ten Killer, holy crap! That yeah. makes it look like Citizen Kane. Yes, it was a rough film, very misogynist. And then it reminded oh, yeah. me, I got it mixed up with that Chuck Connors one that they did right around the same time. Oh, Tourist he, Trap? Oh, yeah, they're just nasty films. They're, there's <laughs> nothing redeeming. Uh, yeah, the riffs are funny, so not... Tourist... Go ahead. The Tourist Trap, it, I actually have Tourist Trap on Blu-ray uh, because I, the, those mannequin things creep me out. Oh, God. Oh. You like the mouth just yeah. like ah, yeah. like fall open and stuff. <laughs> oh, Mannequins are never a good thing in horror films. No. <laughs> Nothing good's <laughs> coming out of that. <laughs> so. uh, uh. Alright, uh, let's get going on our main features here. Uh, what a long, strange road it's been from the first glimpse of egomaniacal billionaire Tony Stark in his gray armor to the first time Captain America drank his first egg cream to Thor disciplining his rascally brother Loki for, gosh darn it, causing the deaths of tons of people. Oopsie. We've journeyed through 18 films, building characters, setting up scenarios, and creating a love for superheroes we thought we'd never have. Now, finally, we have a villain to match them. Here comes Thanos, or Grimace's angry brother, to collect all the Infinity Stones and wipe out half the life in the universe to, you know, save it and stuff. Who can stop him? Can the Russo brothers cram 32 characters into one film and make it coherent and entertaining? And will Star-Lord ever not make a bad decision? (laughs) One thing's for sure, you've never seen anything quite like Avengers Infinity War. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. to wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants, so that's what we use. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. Still exist. 
perfectly balanced. As all things should be. I hope they remember you. Peter, by the way. Doctor Strange. Oh, I'm using your made-up names. Then I am Spider-Man. Okay, so uh, now I know you, uh, you and uh, Ralph uh, went and saw this, and uh, <laughs> you, you bade goodbye to your family, right? And uh, you know it. Ralph grew a beard, and yeah, um, I grew a beard too. We were there you, a long you, time. You, you got grayer, <laughs> yeah. and um, so yeah. So, so tell tell us about Avengers: Infinity War. You know what? I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was long. Yeah. It was long, but you it, know, it is long. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, you and I had talked about this, and I I was asking you, can they really put all of these people in this film, and it not feel cluttered? And yeah. by the end of the film, I realized, you know what? They didn't have to set up any origin stories except a little bit about Thanos. And they didn't have to set up any romances. You know what I'm saying? So they had a yep. lot of time to get down to the hijinks. And I think that's probably why the film, one reason that the film held together so well. Yeah, I, well, okay. Now, again, uh, this is where we differentiate. I, I grew up a comic book collector, and you know i have like 30,000 comics and um so for me this is really much like when the first avengers came out this is this is like you know 45 years in the making of me waiting for this mm-hmm. yeah and i absolutely loved this film and i you know it's long but for me even the, it, with the exception of the oh my god i got to go pee really bad moment <laughs> um <clears throat> it didn't bother me the length because i i was so engrossed in what was happening and yeah they they managed to juggle all these characters not make it feel like um you're you're overwhelmed with every character trying to do a me too moment and um and that's the, that's the great thing about not having to have a, a, an origin story or anything in there because you're hitting the ground running. These are all characters you you've come to know. You know all these actors. They've you've seen them play these characters numerous times, and I think the thing that really makes this film work is what uh, the the the, uh, the the directors, the Russo brothers. Uh, they came up with this the idea that it's not about the Avengers. Hmm the movie is Thanos's story. Okay. And it really is. It's a, you know, and they get into his character and show you what his motivations are and why he's doing what he's doing. And his mind, he's not evil. Right. He's bringing balance to the universe. There's too many people starving. There's too much war. And Hey, if we eliminate half of, of everything, then there's there's bounty for for everyone there will be no starving no war no overcrowding etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know when you see you know his idea of what he thinks is going to happen you're like wow i see where he's going with it i don't agree with it 
So yeah, but, so I have questions because you know, is he gonna is he gonna come out and do that again in a few years when the population's back to where it was again? <laughs> I mean, like you know, I, I was I I was saying you know he should he should look at you know with all of his resources maybe implementing a galactic birth control plan instead you know yeah <laughs> so, like, yeah so he Black actually. Ivy. The simplicity of his plan was was a um, asset to the story because it wasn't a very complex story, and that again was a positive thing in this film. I think. Yeah, I I, I think they they took now this is based on the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War storylines that were done by uh, Jim Starlin in the in the Marvel comics, and not all of it. They don't adhere strictly to it because oh, sure. there's characters yeah. that aren't there. Uh, one of the main characters um, in the comics in that story that is a major, major central figure is Adam Warlock. And that's a character that we haven't seen yet. Right. Now, I've heard that he is possibly in the sequel to it because this is a two-part film. Right. And... <clears throat> Uh, we saw at the end of uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, we actually saw the – we didn't know it at the time, but we saw the birth of Adam Warlock, which was in the collector's um, collection. And you, you had to have been paying attention. There was, <laughs> there was the cocoon in one of the cases in the background. Okay. And then later – after things have been destroyed, you see the cocoon is burst open. Gotcha. And in, and in the comics, that's how Adam Warlock is created. He's in that cocoon. And in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you see the people that Adam Warlock comes from. They're the people who are all golden. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he's all golden skin, golden hair. Uh, you know, that's his that's his look and everything. Um, but it, it, I think... They, they they were very smart with what you, what they did, which was they segmented the story where they took hand, handfuls of characters and put them together in different parts of the universe and different parts of the story. And they did a great job of picking ones that they thought would work really well together. So you've got two colossal egos in Tony Stark and Doctor Strange pitted against each other and then you you, you throw in you know spider-man Spider right you know right. who's the youthful kind of gee whiz character and of course then you you put the guardians of the galaxy in there with them uh, who by the way provide some of the best comedy in the film because for such for a film that overall i mean there's there's some real somber stuff in it yeah um, there's some great moments with Drax. Drax had so many good lines in this film. He he oh. was a standout for sure. <laughs> the whole thing where he's sitting there and he thinks he's invisible, right? <laughs> right. And he's eating chips. I, I, I that just killed me. And it turned out that was uh, the line he had where he said, you know, when they're like, uh, uh, oh God, where is Gamora? And someone says, who is Gamora? And he says, why is Gamora? Right. That's actually an improvised line. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Which which they left it in because it was funny as hell. Um, well, everybody... they, they balanced the humor well. And I mean, yes. obviously, this is a spoiler podcast. Um, yes. You know, there's a lot of deaths in this film, more than I thought there would be, because I did successfully avoid spoilers. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, um, 
you know, expected it to be a darker film. I, I told Ralph, I'm like, oh, this is the Empire Strikes Back of the franchise or whatever. But it actually, there was a lot of upbeat, or there was, there was humor, and I appreciated that. And um, it wasn't just Drax. I mean, they had it kind of sprinkled throughout the film. And I thought they did a good job with that balance. Yeah, I, I, I think they, I th- really think that uh, th- this film more so than I, I think than a lot of the other ones has real emotional weight to it. And now I'll be honest with you. I did guess, and I, I think I may have actually discussed this with you uh, a couple of months ago. I, I, I guessed that Loki would die immediately. Well, you and I both got that right. Yes. Uh, but you thought captain would die and I, yes. I trusted you and I was stressing out. <laughs> I was stressing out the entire film. <laughs> So thank you for that. (laughs) Well, I mean, we, 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 you know, we know that, that Chris Evans contract is up. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he signed for a certain, you know, they all have uh, contracts that are a certain length of, of films and his actually, this was actually his last one, but he's, he, but he's in the next one because he he agreed to do it to finish the story because they filmed both films back to back. And he wasn't, he was, he got, um, short shrift as far as screen time. I was sort of surprised. They, they were pretty heavy on the Thor, Iron Man and, um, Hulk uh, or Mark Ruffalo. And they were a little light on Captain America. I think that, uh, you'll find in the next film, I think, I think he's going to be more central. Well, good. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's my, my guess as far as the, the, the way the story is going to be. And, um, the <clears throat> the ending of the film where they and this might be a, a first in superhero films they fail right they come close to winning in t- twice right and you know one they blow up because of chris pratt you know, uh, yeah star lord <laughs> right we can't keep his shit together for 5 seconds to right. get the damn gauntlet off um, and then Thor, you know, doesn't quite land the killing blow that he wants to land. And half of the, of the entire universe is, is evaporated. Right. And the film ends with Thanos retiring happily to, uh, a, a tranquil, uh, what looks almost like a Japanese tea house. Right. Smiling over his, what he's what he's wrought right and and that's it (laughs) and i remember there was uh, like there was some people in the audience when i saw it who had never who didn't know anything about the fact that it was a (laughs) two-parter and this one guy and it was it was it was so funny because it's such a somber moment and then it it fades to black and then it you know it says directed by the russo brother whatever and this one guy goes what the fuck You know, uh, that's if you I mean, that's one case for going out and seeing these films right away, uh, because although I had no specific idea who was getting um, knocked off, I, of course, gleaned from Twitter and all of that, that there were major 
amounts of fatalities. And then, yes, you know, everyone who gets kind of disintegrated, those people are up for grabs as far as I'm concerned. We're probably going to see them all again or, or a bunch of them. But, um, you know, it was a pretty they wiped out a lot of people. And I had to laugh because at some point in the film, Thanos was saying it's a merciful, instantaneous de- death. Right. And yeah. then we're treated to several scenes of like these agonizing, <laughs> oh my God, I'm melting. You know, like what's happening? Yeah. You know? I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So yeah. You, yeah. Get, the, you get the heart-rending Peter Parker moment. Yeah, yeah. That so one like, went on for a minute. I don't feel good. You know, like, oh, and you're like, oh my God. And Black Panther, <laughs> that one was a little, I was like, oh God. And you know, you know, I'm not a Bucky fan, but I was a little yeah. sad to see Bucky go. So yeah. <laughs> you've warmed him up to me. <laughs> so. The thing that I found interesting was is the majority of the ones who didn't disintegrate were original Avengers characters. Okay. I'm you know, to... I mean, it's like, you know, all the original, the ones who were in the original film okay. survived. And well, the only one uh, ones of the Guardians of the Galaxy that did were, were Nebula, who's kind of unofficial, and, and Rocket Raccoon. Um, so it, it's interesting, but you know, the thing I, I point out to people is you, you do realize since he has the gauntlet and it can alter reality, all yeah. that can be reversed. Yeah. And the whole film, he was altering reality all sorts of different ways, depending on what yeah. little stone he was dicking with. So, you know, right. I, none of that feels very serious to me personally, but I do think that it's awesome that for such a hardcore comic book guy, if they were able to please you with this film, they've obviously been doing a great job because I know how picky you son of a bitches are. Oh, God. Yeah, really, honestly, there's almost no one worse than, than comic book fandom. <laughs> well, I don't know. The, the, most... Star, the Star Wars fans are giving that a run for the money right now. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just – and I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. As a comic book fan, when I go and I see – any adaptation of a comic book, whether it's TV or, or, or film or whatever, I basically sit there with my arms folded <laughs> right. like, it better be good. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I'm, I'm impressed because, you know, this is, I think, the third Avengers film in just a few years, right? Um, uh, yeah, the first one was 2012, I okay. believe. I mean, yeah, they've, so. they've done a really great job with what I would have considered just too massive and complex source material to succeed. So, you know, a great job. And like we always say when we talk, I'm not, I don't follow comic books. I don't understand the mm-hmm. um, storylines, but I was happy with this film. So I think they hit it out of the park. So uh, one to ten, what would you give it? Oh, geez, for a superhero movie, I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I'd give it a nine, and the only reason I don't give it a ten is because it, boy, it is, it's, it, it's hard to sit for two hours forty minutes. Yeah. For anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my uh, my my warning to people is if you if if it, you, it's still in the theater and you see it, it's like bring like a milk jug or something with you in there so you don't have to leave wear your still suit right yeah (laughs) yeah oh god but yeah yeah but i i i absolutely loved it and i can't wait for next may when the conclusion comes out because i don't know what the hell they're gonna do with it right well it'll be fun because they've got way less people to start with and anyone that they gain we're all going to be happy to see those people again i don't know i think the next one's gonna work out for them pretty well Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to disappoint me. I, I, I just think, especially since they filmed them back to back. So it's almost like they just basically filmed like one whole long movie. Right on. <clears throat> 
All right. Well, so the other day, uh, I'll be honest, I had a shitty day. You know, you know the kind. Uh, nothing goes right. You lose face. Money's tight. And it just seems like the assholes of the world are just laughing at you. Wouldn't it be great if you could just mow them down with impunity and drop lots of clever wisecracks while doing it? Well, now I'm no superhero, but then again, neither is Deadpool, technically. But when his girlfriend gets murdered by gangsters, he finds a new thing to focus on, a family of his own. There's lots of fights, lots of jokes, and even a tiny Deadpool basic instinct leg cross just for you in Deadpool 2. We getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. Hit it! There's this kid. He's in trouble. Move or die. Pump the hate brakes, Thanos. I ain't letting cable get to him. But I can't do this alone. We need backup. We're gonna form a super duper fucking group. It's time to get back on LinkedIn. Meet Bedlam. My name's Shatterstar. Domino, I'm lucky. Luck isn't a superpower. It's certainly not very cinematic. Yes, it is. Let's meet in the middle and say no, it isn't. Fuck it. It's showtime. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. You sure you're not from the DC Universe? Bring it on, One-Eyed Willie. Your bullets, they're really fast. And last but not least, Peter. Any power you want to tell us about? I don't, I don't have one. Um, I, I just saw the ad. You're in. So, did you get a chance to see Deadpool 2? I would have loved to seen it, but I watched the wrong film. I watched A Quiet Place instead. To, to t- <laughs> so thanks, because I kind of feel like I would have loved Deadpool 2 a lot more. But no, I did not. So I look forward to hearing oh. your... And I'm okay oh, with spoilers. No. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, the one thing I will say that, you know, it's like kind of like a ho-hum thing is, yes... The, the motivation of the plot is the dead girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we all know that that's been used like a million times. Mm-hmm. You know, and I forget what they call it. There's there's a term for it. You probably know. I don't know, but um, oh. I'm quite familiar with the trope. Yeah, the, the, there's a there's a name for the trope and it, I, I forget what it what it's called. But is it, it's the, like, is it girls in refrigerators? Is that the one you're thinking of? That might be it. Right. Because um, <clears throat> it, it's always you have the male hero and his motivation 
is if his wife or girlfriend or daughter gets killed. Right. And like say with John Wick, uh, you know, the, 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 the girlfriend is the dog. Right. <laughs> and so now you've seen the original Deadpool, correct? Yes. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, if you liked the original Deadpool, you'll like this one. Good. It, it, it's got the exact same, you know, fourth wall breaking, the, the foul mouth, uh, the the ridiculous uh, situations and uh, it it's so much fun. It's you know and and as someone who's known Ryan Reynolds as an actor, going all the way back to when he starred on the Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place TV series. Okay. Uh, that was on for four seasons. Um, you know, I remember watching back then and going, "This guy's funny. He's naturally funny." And then he did that uh, um, Van Wilder film, and you know you're like, okay, that's that that's a, does a good job of using like his style of humor, the kind of you know kind of snarky, uh, smirky kind of humor, and he's very likable. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't seem to get after that a vehicle that worked for him. You know, he do some like a lot. He did a lot of romantic comedies, and those sucked. And then he tried some dramatic stuff, and most of those just didn't work. And he tried for years to get Deadpool off the ground, and the studios just weren't going for it. And they finally let him do it, but they gave him, you know, for an action film, not that big a budget. It was, I think, it was like thirty million or something. Okay. All right. And which which actually worked, I think, to the the movie's advantage because he you know got to work in jokes like it's like, wow, how how come there's nobody ever here at X Men Mansion except for you two? It's like we didn't have the money for it or something. (laughs) Right, right. And there's more of that. There's actually a great a great sight gag involving that again in this one. Um, and and there's some there's some really funny stuff I can't really mention since you haven't seen it, and I don't want to blow it for you uh <laughs> yeah you know <clears throat> until about three minutes ago i didn't know the girlfriend died so <laughs> uh, i'm over here welcome. traumatized it literally yeah. happens in the first five minutes. Oh, good well good so well y- you know that whole the whole humor of deadpool is so great because they don't have to respect any particular bit of canon or anything that's happened in any film because they can just explain it away or make a, a snarky reference and um i you know doesn't he say, I saw the trailer, doesn't he say, are, are you, that seems dark. Are you from the DC universe or, you know, like, yes. you know, he's able yeah. to do that kind of stuff and, um, which is just so much fun. And, um, I was wondering though, I mean, and I know, uh, the character of Domino has been getting a lot of positive, um, yes. yeah, people have liked her a lot. Uh, did you feel like this, the second film brought something new or was it kind of just another Deadpool film? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it is you know, like a, yeah, another Deadpool film. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's not a bad thing. It's like keep them coming if they can stay at this level of funny right. and entertaining. Um, you know, he, he decides he's got to go after, you know, they bring in Cable, who's a big character in the comics. Uh, and he's from the future and he's coming back uh, to kill this kid who in the future will be this become this evil villain and who will kill his family in the future okay and so that's why he comes back in time and, and deadpool wants to keep him from killing the kid because he's a kid okay and he you know he's convinced he's like well i can change he needs somebody to be his friend i can change his attitude so he won't become evil okay <clears throat> and so he, he he assembles the x-force uh, a team of, of um decidedly c-grade superheroes 
to help him out. Uh, Domino being the only one who's remotely competent. Okay. And her superpower is luck. And the thing is funny is there's a whole thing where he talks about it's like, you know, luck isn't a very cinematic superpower. And then she proceeds to prove him wrong in this fantastic action sequence. Um, And, you know, there's a a fantastic blink and you'll miss it cameo of one of the X-Force. And I won't Mm, tell you who it is. Okay, right. This person is literally on screen for maybe a second and a half. And, but it's one of those moments where you'll go like, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay, which is which is great. And um, I, I love the fact that you have all these these different crappy superheroes that team up with him. <clears throat> and uh, one of them is a guy named Peter. And if you've seen the trailer, he's just kind of a schlubby middle aged guy. And they said, well, what's your superpower? And he, I, I don't really have one. I just saw the ad on Craigslist. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so. He goes like you know full into what's going on, regardless of whether he has any powers of any kind, okay. and it's hysterical. That sounds and, awesome. All right. <laughs> yeah. And again, you got to stay through the credits because there's stuff you know during the credits and stuff that that um, that makes it worthwhile. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I I gave the original Deadpool a nine, and I give this one an eight. Awesome. Well, and I, I loved the Celine Dion video and song. I, they were great. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's great to have superhero a superhero film that doesn't take itself seriously. Yes, and, it's a it's a palate cleanser. Yeah, I mean, there, to be honest, there's actual moments of genuine emotion in the film, and, and they work well, but they don't take away from the fact that the, the other ninety percent are are you know hilarious. So good times. Well, we're looking forward to it, and I. Um... You know, I, now the pressure's off so I can see it at home instead of going out to the theater to, to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> because... Well, you know, at, at the rate things are going, uh, you know, it'll probably be on video like next month or something. Right, right. Because you can already get, you know, uh, in August, you know, Infinity War comes out on Blu-ray and Black Panther's already out. Right, right. Which is which is crazy, but there you go. <clears throat> So we've got plenty more coming your way as we hit the retro rewind with Final Exam and Tango and Cash right after this. No, that's not big enough. No, that's not big enough either. That's more like it. We're delighted to have you with us, and we extend a cordial welcome to you. We've lined up the top stars from Hollywood and from all over the world to entertain you on our giant screen with the new colorful motion pictures you've been hearing about and reading about. To add to your enjoyment, we're all wound up to bowl you over at intermission time with live wire service at our snack bar, where you'll find a tempting variety of favorite foods and beverages. Your continued patronage is very, very welcome. It's intermission. Rise and stretch time. Time to refresh yourself and visit our snack bar. Got a yen for hot popcorn? Your favorite soft drinks are sparkling cold. The juicy Frank sizzling hot. There's delicious coffee, freshly brewed. 
and all kinds of ice cream and candy to tempt you. Showtime will be announced loud and clear to get you back to your car in time. So stretch your legs. Come to the snack bar now. Welcome back to the show. It's that time again when we rummage through the dusty shelves of our local video store for either treasure or fool's gold. Our first retro rewind pick this month is a real treat for those seeking knowledge. Linear College, where students can major in business, economics, science, English, and murder. (laughs) While the kids are busy studying, swimming, crafting, and faking terrorist attacks, a nondescript killer is slashing his way through the student body. Who will survive the carnage? Will it be Janet sleeping her way to the top of the class while banging Kurt Vonnegut? Or Wildman, a reanimated log of head cheese and sweats? Maybe it will be perennial virgin Courtney who constantly smiles like an imbecile. Or perhaps Radish, the poor man's Arnold Horshack. Or possibly Elizabeth, whose only flaw in escaping the killer is the underwear she's constantly pulling out of her ass crack. The only uncertainty is studying is irrelevant for this final exam. At Lanier College, they have the finest security, the best teacher-student relations, no fraternity hazing, strictly enforced curfews, and a killer. He's come back. Final exam. When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths? He's a murderer around campus, killing people. Some may pass the test. Lisa! God help the rest. final exam your experience um well i was thinking because i just finished this film today we really peaked with sleepaway camp and um, my heart is still (laughs) like aching for sleepaway camp so i was trying to put on like okay remember this is like a third string you know slasher and um you know this film so i mean are we gonna recap the events of the film or is this just kind of general impression well, yeah, I mean, the basic plot of it is, such as it is, this guy just shows up and starts killing people for no reason. Mm-hmm. And he has no mask on. He doesn't talk. He has no name. You see his face. Right. <laughs> and he, there's literally, there's no like, you know, well, 15 years ago, his family was murdered. Right. It's, now he's back for revenge. No, 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 no. He's just a guy who shows up and starts killing people. For no reason. Yeah, and sometimes they show like a mysterious shot where you just see his arm in the van, but it's like, well, why not yeah. just show the guy? Because you're just showing the guy half the time. 
That's really it. Yeah, really like he it. looks like, you know what he looks like? He looks like, um, uh, he reminds me of a modern day version of uh, Injun Joe from Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, yeah, he had Tom a bowl, the bowl cut, yeah. and I was a little offended because yeah. I, I have a really similar, like, green fatigue coat that I wear. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that I love. Yeah. yeah, similar, a similar kind of body shape, too. So, so but yeah, so, and you know, you're not going to find out at the end of the film that there was any reason that he started this killing spree. Just like no. they're never going to go into it. So, you know, there's no backstory, there's no, you know, origin. There's no rationalization of, you know, like, oh, his daughter died at the at school while other kids were playing, uh, you know, outside right. or some stupid thing. So he's going to kill the kids, <laughs> right. you know. And although there's the film does make a few points or it's trying to. Um, so, you know, this film, the the sort of unique um, aspects to the plot, it's the it's the very, very end of the school year. And so the campus is almost uh, totally abandoned. And yet yeah. there is one guy pledging to one fraternity, which that was yes. very, very weird. Um, so you've got this fraternity, which the fraternity stages a horrific campus shooting. Yes. Which you as would, a joke. Yeah. As a joke, which you would not see that in a film today. And I'm oh, glad. God, no. Yeah. And um, this is, I mean, a really graphic, you know, automatic weapons shooting and people are in classrooms just kind of cocking their head. What's that noise? <laughs> it's just yeah, what? bizarre. <laughs> they literally show up in a van <laughs> with ski masks and they and, and, and automatic weapons firing at people with like squibs on people like blood mm-hmm. expl- exploding all over the place. And they drag bodies into the van and drive away. Right. And it all is because it's a way for them to distract the teacher so the one head jock guy can go and fake his score on a test. Right. He needs an 82. That's it. Right. (laughs) And isn't it because his parents won't pay for his car if he doesn't get an 82 on the test? Yeah. Right. And, you know, I mean, this was a repulsive film. Okay. I I believe I screen capped and sent you a picture (laughs) of a scene where – we have to talk about Wild Man because he was um, like he's this big, beefy, blonde guy. I'm assuming that they're saying he's a football player yes. who is at one point just spraying random things into his mouth, like shaving cream and and spray deodorant. And at, at another point is grabbing this skinny pledge that they're harassing the entire film and like licking his ear. I mean, it was just so, you know, you've got I screen capped the wild man and his friend, the guy that needed the 82 on the test. And there's one of those horrible little black jockey figures. Yes, I was waiting for you to mention that. (laughs) And like a bra, like hanging off the wall. And I'm like, oh, God, Tim, (laughs) Tim, why? (laughs) Why? I I remember when I first saw that and that movie and I was like, there's a friggin like stereotype black jockey thing in their dorm room right it's <laughs> now it's it's a southern college I, you can tell by the accent is that a real college it's called it begins with the l it's i can't it's lanier college yeah. yeah is that a place i don't know if that's i you know i haven't researched that <laughs> oh yeah by the way i love that you sent me the screen cap and it just says why exactly <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it, it, it it's um the thing that's bizarre with this film is there's all these these characters. It, it makes it feel like it's trying to be like Animal House, <laughs> and then there's a slasher in it. 
Right. The, uh, it's really odd because they are trying to establish the character. You know, slashers don't usually try very hard to do that. They just have a couple lines, right? right. Each character has a couple lines and you're like, oh, okay, he's, you know, she's this slut. He's the, he's the jock. He's the, you know, nice guy that's pining after the slut or whatever. But this film, they kind of, they establish all of their characters a little bit, um, which doesn't lead anywhere great because they, all of them get murdered except for one. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was actually, remember when I first saw it, I was shocked that Radish got killed. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to kill off Radish. It seemed like that they were building him up like he was going to like rescue her, rescue Courtney. Yeah. And I, I'll i have to send you, there was a, there's a, um, a gay horror blog that wrote about Radish's character because uh-huh. he's so coded as queer in the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, very, very and much. it took me a really long time to figure mm-hmm. out that they were trying to say that he was romantically interested in Courtney. <laughs> I thought they were just, yeah. they're just friends. And then like three, three quarters of the way through the movie, I'm like, oh, oh, they're trying to say he has a crush on her. Okay. <laughs> like that. Yeah, because to me, if like if you watch earlier in the film, there's the, you know, like, uh, Mark is the, uh, <clears throat> the head jock guy. And there's a scene when Mark's talking to the coach and Radish is just, uh, uh, with wild man and Radish is standing in between them and he's looking at both of them with this, this smile. <laughs> like, like, oh. and you, <laughs> as a matter of fact, everybody smiles a lot. Yeah, it's kind of the antidote to um, sleepaway camp where everyone was just so furious at all times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like Courtney, our heroine, constantly has this smile on her face where she's like, oh, you guys. She's super insipid. Like, after the big shooting, her and Lisa, the blonde, you know, the promiscuous blonde, they're like, ha, ha, that shooting, ha, ha, ha. I was like, what the fuck? You fucking guys. (laughs) And they they have one police officer show up in response to this shooting, right? This Oh, yeah. What was Roscoe that? P. Coltrane. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, that scene went on for a while. I'm like, is this significant to the plot? Oh, no, it's not. It's just padding. So. Yeah. So then you get like him and the coach. Apparently they're old high school buddies or something. And they have some weird back and forth thing about crossbows and. Right. So. And, arrows and whatever. You're like, what the hell does this have to, you know? Yeah. So, of course, I was thinking that that guy, the big beefy coach, was going to take out the killer with the crossbow. And no, of course not. Nope, um, that didn't happen. Nope. <laughs> so why, why would I yeah. think that? And then let's talk about that creepy teacher at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I don't even care that he's having sex with a student and talking about his old wife who's four, who's 30 years old. She's so old. Yes, his old 30-year-old right. wife. <laughs> like, let's just put that aside for a minute. The big, long speech that he pontificates on when the kids are about to take the test. Now, I've, I have a college degree, and I never saw a teacher do that. He just goes on and on with these, like, stilted, <laughs> like, witticisms that are just so stupid. Like, <laughs> just let us take the test, old man. <laughs> Which, by the way, as he's telling this 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 long story, there's Radish like, ah. yeah, Radish with was this grin on his face. He Radish was high. Yeah, he was drinking that <laughs> Irish whiskey twenty four seven. I I think I guess so, but I have to admit, Radish did have some cool posters in his room. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch those. He had a bunch of movie posters. He had uh, Murder Is My Beat. Ooh. Um. He had the Corpse Grinders. 
um, oh, what was the other one? There was another one I can't remember, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, he had a bunch of you know pretty pretty uh, sweet posters in his room. Um, but yeah, the teacher looked just like Kurt Vonnegut, which is what <laughs> drove me nuts. Well, that's what like, ladies. That's what the ladies like, Tim. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's why I was single for so long, is I yeah, just didn't look enough were. like Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, it was so distracting to me. I actually waited for the credits to see if it was really oh, Kurt Vonnegut. Right, yeah. Uh, Although I don't know why the hell he would be. <laughs> I, I was sad he didn't show up and get murdered because I, I was about ready to have him uh, stabbed. But um, as far as I know, he just he's off screen after that initial scene with with uh, Lisa or whatever her name was. Yeah, Lisa. And the thing is funny is much like uh, with Meg in Sleepaway Camp, she's genuinely excited to have sex with, with with the teacher yeah i don't know i i felt like she was uh she pretty clearly said that this was all to get her a in chemistry which um that film by the way hates the subject of chemistry like i think <laughs> chemistry killed that director's dad if you know what i'm saying because <laughs> they were they they made that point repeatedly chemistry's bad <laughs> and then okay so yeah well the, let's just talk about the final girl scene right where she goes she gets chased and chased and chased right she yeah. finally gets the better of the situation, clubs the killer. He falls, you know, 18 stories or whatever. She yeah, walks falls pretty far, pretty far. She walks past his body one, one inch away, as you would do. Right. Of course. He lunges up. She somehow manages to get the knife and then she stabs him 12 times. Yes. <laughs> like, I counted. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I do not want to get on that woman's bad side. <laughs> like 12. Yeah, she had enough. Yeah. Uh, that was she, that was it. She was ready. She was ready for that moment. <laughs> so. My okay. My favorite part with the killer is when he's chasing Mark from the gymnasium. Mark's running away, and instead of you know like any normal person would do, like go outside and get in your car and leave or whatever. Mark, no, he proceeds to go further into the catacombs yeah. of, of of the gymnasium, and now he gets to an area. There's two doors. And they both say, do not enter. And he looks left. He looks right. He looks left. He looks right. He goes into the left door. And he walks in. And the killer jumps out of a barrel and stabs him. He's got and one I'm of those like, infinity stones. He can fold space and time. <laughs> like, what's how the, the hell? Right. First of all, there's no physical way he, he got in front of him. It's, there's no way. And number two, how did he know... To hide in that barrel in that area because there were two ways he could have gone. Right. And how did he know when he was like right there? I mean, <laughs> hey, that's the it's the evil twin. I mean, clearly they've got there's got to be a final exam too out there somewhere, right? Well, that'd be great if there was actually two killers. That would just that would explain me. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> God. <sighs> yeah. I so so. What would you give this? Well, you know, even for a slasher, it wasn't very good. So uh, I'm going to give it a five because it was kind of fun here and there. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some trashy moments in it that I think are fun. But boy, it is just, I, I, the, the fact that they chose to go the direction of having a killer with no motivation and no particularly uh, unique look. <laughs> you know i mean like say <clears throat> there's like the costume and scream or michael myers mask or jason's yeah. hockey mask or or even like the the uh the cherub mask in valentine uh you know there 
at least there was some something unique to look at. He's just a guy in jeans and a, you know, he's just a, like a chubby schlub in a, a fatigue yeah. coat. Which, which is you be careful, Tim, because that, that's who you're talking <laughs> to right now <laughs> with the bowl cut. God. <laughs> oh, the, yes, he, he he did kind of have a uh, just borderline Dorothy Hamill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the killer. <laughs> so what what's your rating? Uh, you know, I, I'm probably going to give it like a six. All right, all right. I mean, because I'm I'm entertained by it regardless of just how mind-numbingly dumb it, it, it is. I mean, it's not as fun as the high watermark set by sleepaway camp, obviously, uh, you know, cause I mean, let's be, be honest. It doesn't have uh, Judy, right? <laughs> Judy's essential. And, uh, and also the killings Angela. are, <laughs> the killings are pretty unimaginative in this film. There's just a lot of just yeah. straight up stabbings. It's just pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh. <laughs> Angela, that <laughs> is a board in need of a screw. You do that way too well. <laughs> oh god okay and finally tonight we've saved the best for last ishmael travels in december from manhattan island to new bedford with plans to sign up for a whaling voyage the inn where he arrives is overcrowded so he must share a bed with the tattooed polynesian queequeg a harpooner whose father was king of the fictional island of Ravoco. The next morning, Ishmael and Queequeg attain, attend Father Mapple's sermon on Jonah, then head for Nantucket. Ishmael signs up with the Quaker ship owners Bildad and Peleg for a voyage on their whaler, the Pequod. Peleg describes Captain Ahab as a grand, ungodly, godlike man who nevertheless has his humanities. They hire Queequeg the following morning. A man named Elijah prophesizes a dire fate should Ishmael and Queequeg join Ahab. While provisions are loaded, shadowy figures board the ship. On a cold Christmas day, the Pequod leaves the harbor. Okay. <laughs> nah, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, Ray Tango and Gabe Cash are two tough cops from different sides of the tracks. Their high success rate with drug bus has put them in the crosshairs of master supervillain Mr. Perrette, who proposes to frame them for murder to get them out of his way. Before long, our heroes are behind bars, contending with razor-wielding psychos and slinky-loving miscreants and fighting for their lives. Eventually, they manage to break out and, teaming with Ray's ridiculously hot stripper-slash-drummer-slash-motorcyclist sister, they put together a plan to defeat their enemy. There's plenty of F-bombs, fake boobs, big hair, and so much gay panic you'd think they were members of Mike Pence's rowing team. But one thing's for sure, you can't stop the music, and you can't stop Tango and Cash. Mm. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Whoever set us up is really connected. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Relax. Soap. And don't flatter yourself. Meet Ray Tango. He likes money. He's a Kong. He's a go but doesn't bother with cash. Meet Gabe Cash. He won't dance around trouble and doesn't mind stepping on toes. I hate you karate guys. Two of L.A.'s top rival cops are having a good time staying in rhythm. You know me, huh? Yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in L.A. That's funny. I hear the same thing about you. But they're going to have to work together even if it kills them. Like now! 
we'll take it. No. That's one of a kind. We won't put a scratch on it. Did you sleep with my sister? I was so drunk, I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. <laughs> Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash, go! Uh... Awesome film. I'm going to disagree with you on one point. I don't think the boobs were fake in this film. I think we were seeing real boobs. You don't think the one, the 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 woman in the car having sex in the garage? No, I think I think she's just got a nice figure. She's young. I also look at Ralph and I say, you know, when you have car sex in a parking garage, you do take all of your clothes off, like every single scratch of your clothes. Well, yeah, and you and you, and you also do it at like seven in the morning, yeah, which is when that middle seems of the place. day. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep your little headband on with your little eighties perm. But yeah, that that was that was a nice little surprise. So, yeah, Tango and Cash. So, yeah, I made my husband watch this with me. Uh, we're still married. Yeah, we're okay. So, yeah. Oh, my. This film is so great. This is, you know, this is my wheelhouse. Um, so, yeah, you've got the two cops. You've got the Sylvester Stallone is the slick. And, and I had forgotten because I hadn't seen this film in 30 years that he is a rich stockbroker who nevertheless still is a cop, right? Yes. Right. And then you've got Cash, which is um Kurt Russell. The the greasy like he's supposed to be the maverick, but he's just disgusting. Um you know, he's got the <laughs> jeans and the boots and he's got his shirt off in the elevator with a bunch of other cops. Uh you know, this guy he's got he's got his big trouble in little china look with yeah, his power mullet but but a little grosser uh, i felt <laughs> yeah and um they are both from different ends of the supply chain disrupting a cocaine empire he- headed by jack palance who yes. is the evil gangster who just the entire film is hanging out in this one little room the whole movie did you did you catch yes. that yeah which um and he's taught there were so many uh b movie like second string action guys in this film there were tons of them oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean you, you know you got uh you know brian james <clears throat> with this goofy uh aussie accent you've got and, james uh, james hong right and he's always james in these hong films right big trouble in little china again and um you've got um uh, michael j pollard right as the uh, the uh, you know um, uh, Tango and Cash's cue with his yeah, goofy gadgets, right? Right. I, I was so confused when they when they showed up when Cash shows up when he's on the run later in the film and he gets a he gets clothes and he gets a gun. I'm like, what kind of place is this guy running? And Ralph, yeah. says, it's, it's the LAPD Research and Development Department. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the dog with with a gun in its mouth or whatever. Right, right. What the hell are they developing this for? Right. Yeah, and it's your tax dollars at work. You'll you'll love this because in the opening scene we have Sylvester Stallone in his little suit and his hot shit car. Yeah, take, his, his Italian tailored suit. Right, he's taking down a semi truck that's smuggling something we don't know what. So I, I, it shows the driver of the truck, and I turn to Ralph, and I say, quite unnecessarily, that's Robert Zadar. And Ralph says, I, <laughs> he says, I know. Right? I know. It's kind of hard not to, not to notice. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that first scene was pretty strong, right? Because 
Yeah. Sylvester Stallone's got a few good lines. You know, Rambo was a pussy. Uh, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. But the the quips swiftly went downhill, I have to say, like for the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, first of all, I, you know you're in for a good time when it goes Warner Brothers and then it's like black screen. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> right. I'm like, am I watching an aerobics video or what? what's going on? Oh my god! Yeah, and then uh, you got you got um, uh, Clint Howard in there. Oh right, yeah. Um, the, 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 this <laughs> the guy he's like uh, killed his best friend. He's got a slinky uh, <clears throat> that he gets strangled with later. Um, but yeah, it the thing that's funny with this movie is it's got it, it's like they managed to cram every buddy cop cliche. Mm-hmm as much as humanly possible. And this is, you know, like released pretty close to when they did the first lethal weapon. And, you know, I, okay. I'll be honest with you. I really enjoy Tango and cash. It's a fun, dumb action movie, but lethal weapon is really like leaps and bounds above this. As far as the writing and the performing and the plot and and the direction. Um, it's, it's just so, um, uh, just big and dopey mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it relies so heavily on the charm of stallone and and, and kurt russell yeah in misplaced their, reliance in my opinion and, and their their interaction and which is the thing that's funny is their their entire interaction together seems to be uh you know constant gay jokes about how they're afraid the other one's looking at their ass or or how or, or, how the small the other one's penis is. That a small dick. Yeah, and, they they have yeah. that one several times. I asked Ralph, I'm like, you, you guys guys don't do that, right? He's like, no. <laughs> and no. Uh, how about that interrogation scene where the guy is peeing in a urinal and they've got some yeah. kind of a lunch table set up, I mean, like two <laughs> feet away from the urinal, right? In the locker room. Right. Well, okay. Okay, let, let me just say, okay, as a, a local government employee, we have – the restroom and our lockers are the same area. Okay. However, we would never I, – I could never see the cops letting a prisoner use a bathroom in the cop's locker room. Mm-hmm. That, that's like – what the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah, like you said, there's a table in there too. Like why <laughs> – what? Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do – I think honestly, the thing that I really wish we had more of was more Jack Palance because <clears throat> I I I love him, and he 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 really seems like he's almost like he's playing the same character from Batman. Right. Well, or the same character from a lot of films he's been in. Uh, yeah, you know, um, it reminded me of. Did you watch Han Solo, um, the Star Wars oh, story? The, the, so, yes. Well, the the bad guy in that, uh, Paul Bettany's character, Denim mm-hmm. Boss or whatever his name is, he he's sitting there in one room the whole movie. And I just feel like oh, yeah. if, if you've got a gangster mobster boss, he's just not that scary. If he's if you just feel like he's hanging out at his desk like the entire film. Well, to be fair, you know, Palance or Palance, he he did have uh, a maze with rats in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tango were they were they rats or mice? Because they were clearly rats, but he refers to yeah. them as mice. <laughs> Yeah, cash and tango. 
that Ralph laughed so hard every time he did that bit. <laughs> it was it's just so funny because like you could see like Palance, he really seemed like he was having a great time though. Yeah, he, uh, like someone he just had to. chews the scenery just I mean with with, with nonstop. He, he's constantly got this the the shit eating grin on his face, you know, and uh, then the and, and you know also all mobsters have a hall of mirrors. Yeah. Behind their office. You gotta have that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the basic premise of the film is this mobster manages to uh, pay off a few people and frame both Tango and Cash and send them to a nasty prison. And I want to say, like, about a third of the film is spent with them in prison. Yes. Um, kind of making dick jokes for yes. some reason and getting tortured by the inmates at night in a big cheesy industrial Madonna video scene. Um, <laughs> we get some good Robert Zadar there. Uh, and then they get out and the next leg of the film is primarily about them both trying to clear their name and Sylvester Stallone being way too obsessed with his sister's sex life. That would be the other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and so he walks in on her giving a back massage to Kurt Russell. And it, the thing is that they, they try so hard to try and make it seem sexual. So, so Stallone will freak out mm-hmm. that she they have her saying and doing stuff that's just ridiculous that nobody would say. <laughs> Right. When giving a massage, oh, it's in, it's in. Right, right. You're like, what? <laughs> and and he's just standing there, like listening and looking upset. And I'm like, do you know the percentage that you should care about who your sister sleeps with? It's zero. It's zero percent. Like you were a big creep, and you need to seek some help because he yeah. he brings it up um, several times, and it's 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 kind of like Mark Wahlberg in that Transformers movie, obsessed with his daughters. Uh, chastity. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it it is such a, a an odd scene. <laughs> and I have to admit, when I first saw the movie, <clears throat> when it first came out, uh, I was like really into it because I mean, I was just in love with Terry Hatcher. She's beautiful. Oh my God, she's gorgeous in this movie. Absolutely. She's she's I mean, always gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, she but she's got like this this beautiful perm. Yeah, yeah. She's... You know, it's obviously a perm because like I've never seen her hair look like that in any other. <laughs> it's movie. either it, it could be a wig too, Tim. Oh, that's and, true. And she's got her little. The first time we see her, she's doing this cheesy dance, uh, fake drumming move, and she's got this awesome outfit on, uh, little little like sparkly bra and high cut panties and tights. It's a good look. Oh, yeah. It's a great look. Yeah, and she's she's she rides in on stage on a motorcycle and starts playing the drums, <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> like she's Sheila E, or you know, <clears throat> like what the <laughs> right? <laughs> that is one of the weirdest scenes because it's like you see all these other women later on when Cash goes in there and they're all topless, and they're you know, so just... happy that he bar- he barged in. They're like not upset. They're like Ooh, yeah, nobody cares that he's just wandering around. <laughs> Uh, so it's like you get the impression that they're all strippers except for her. Well, She's the only one that doesn't strip. Not yet. Not in, yet. In a few years, you know, when when her looks are ruined by cocaine. So, <laughs> you know, I saw this film right after it came out. And you're saying that scene with her is cheesy. But I will tell you, as an 11-year-old, I was so enthralled. And I thought she was like a goddess. So watch it. 
So, wow. Yeah. I'm seeing a new side to you. You are. And, you know, as you know, I, I grew up without TV, so I really had to watch these kinds of films in a very clandestine way. Like, at my friend's house, she had a single mom who was never around. And, like, this film is full of, like, the F word. And I don't know. For me, it, oh, was, yeah. it was exciting when I saw it. So, <laughs> it was a little less exciting last night, I have to admit. Uh, well, so what would you give this one? Oh, God. Um... If I'm being brutally honest, it's about a six. But yeah, I, the the entertainment yeah. factor for me personally is like a nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd probably give it like a seven, uh, just for kind of like the same reasons. Uh, I, it's not. It's definitely not top a top tier action film. Mm-hmm. But there's there's enough um, unintentional humor. Uh, you know the the the. They, they really just try so hard for these guys to be so macho. Right. You know, it, it, where it's to the point where it's just, it, it's almost, it, it, it becomes silly and, 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 and ridiculous. Uh, just also, just a side note, uh, th- this had such a, a really troubled production and it went $20 million over budget. Wow. And uh, early on, Stallone fired the director of photography, Barry Sonnenfeld, because he didn't feel he was f- photograph- uh, photographing him, uh, you know, well enough, like mm-hmm. making him look good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, I mean, you mentioned um, Lethal Weapon, and it has to be said, like, there were a handful of really great buddy cop movies at this time. I yeah. mean, you've got, um, and not even just buddy cop movies, you've got Black Rain, which I thought was awesome which we i love to, black yeah, we need to cover that and you've got die hard you've got like you said lethal weapon you know even beverly hills cop one and two so mm. i think this film was yeah like they were trying to capitalize on some of these other pretty fun um you know macho cop movies and they just misfired and like you say had a troubled production yeah uh <laughs> But I, I will probably watch anything with Robert Zadar. So I hope, you know, I hope your listeners just, you know, just forgive me for my well, nature. <laughs> just so you know, uh, I, I have like a list of films for future episodes. And one of them is Maniac Cop. Oh, it's got to be. It's so good. <laughs> so, so yay. prepare yourself. Right. <clears throat> Uh, so but you you didn't give your rating, I don't think. You you trying to slip out without? Uh, no, I, I gave it a seven. Oh, seven. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you'd like to write to us and uh, get your letter read on the air, our email is moviemorg one at att dot net. We have a Facebook page, the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast, uh, a Twitter page under the same name, and an Instagram account as well. You can read Kelly's reviews and musings on her website, B-Movie BFFs, and our official website should be off the ground soon as well. <clears throat> Next month, we'll be diving into Solo, A Star Wars Story, Jurassic World 2, Slaughter Hotel, and... Here we go. Miami Connection. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm so pleased. <laughs> Until then, remember, with great power comes great responsibility. We'll see you next time.